Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. So when we started Dubai Works Business Podcast four years ago, the idea was to show Dubai as a business capital by interviewing the various people operating and starting their businesses here. Uh, this entrepreneur, the person we speak to today, is one of those people who Dubai is extremely attractive to. He's built uh, departments and teams and businesses in other markets, works for a global company and just wanted to be based here. Uh, so it's a super interesting conversation. We talk about technologies, uh, operations, and market entry. And coincidentally, this week I had the pleasure to attend the PodFest organized by Dubai Press Office, uh, which was a collection of all the different podcasters at the ecosystem, so not just the creators, uh, the hosting companies like Podio, the uh, production companies like uh, Maya Media, uh, Finya Media, which is now South, uh, Kerning Cultures, uh, Rising Giants Network and some of the top creators as well uh, from Saudi and elsewhere and it was a real collection of uh, top talent so thank you very much to uh, Dubai Press Office for organising that and for having healthy discussions around the industry uh, and it's, you know, it, it's really out of that sort of collaboration uh, with the Press Office and with the Media Office that this podcast started so I want to thank them for their support at the start. Okay and enjoy the conversation. Uh, good morning, Rupert. Hi, good morning. Good morning or good afternoon. Yeah, usually we go live uh, at, at 11, so technically it's morning. Yeah, so um, good morning. Uh, thank you for joining. Where are you at the moment? I am in, at home in Dubai Hills. In Dubai Hills. Do you, are you still uh, post-pandemic working from home? Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's become a bit more uh, free to work at home nowadays, but I'm, I'm out and about visiting clients quite a lot. So... I tend to go into the office most days, um, but uh, due to the, due to the peace and quiet here, I thought I'd do the interview here today. The interview there, and is it is it quite flexible? Obviously, you meet a lot of clients remotely, so uh, are your are your teams sort of uh, in and out of the office a lot, or is it a set number of days that they go back? Yes, yeah, so we've currently got about nine or ten advisors uh, in the office, and they're all supported by um, an executive assistant. But generally. You know, if you're if you're in the office, you might be doing a bit of paperwork or some research or, or writing reports. Um, but generally, it's um, it's out and about seeing clients. Yeah, brilliant. So, when did Abacus Financial Consultants start, and what what was your background before then? 
So, so my background, so um, after graduating from university, um, one of my one of my friends' fathers was a was a financial planner in in down in Devon. So after getting to them know them for, for sort of three years, uh, he asked whether I wanted to to come and join the company because his sons were joining. So that's how I sort of got into into financial planning. And then I spent five years working in the UK. So did my exams, was a trainee advisor, then got got signed off by the the uh, the FSA, which is the FCA now. And then in 2007, I moved to Dubai. Um, so I worked for a couple of companies when I first got here. Um, but Jen, the, the, the back then, and even now, the, the landscape for sort of financial planning, um, there are levels of regulation, but what goes on within, within that regulation is sometimes a bit scrupulous. So there was a few of us that, uh, that, that I knew that were sort of career financial advisors. Um, that, that did it for a vocation. And then in 2013, we got together and um, we couldn't really find anywhere to go in the marketplace that so sort of forced our hands into creating Abacus. So that was born um, almost 10 years ago in 2013. So we, 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 had, we all had our existing client bank. So it was a place to sort of to, 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 um, to take our clients and to, and to, to, to look after them. Um, and then from that, you know, we, we started becoming uh, a real business and getting on new, new, new clients and putting in processes. So, yeah, we, we, we're sort of multi-award winning for the last sort of seven or eight years now. So we've come a long way since, since the beginning. Very good. Uh, what does Abacus mean? What's it in reference to? Well, I guess Abacus is, a, is an ancient um, counting machine. Um, you know, what children have sometimes with the... Uh, yeah, nice. The, the, the bead. So, yeah, it's a... It's a it's a, not an old star calculator, I guess. And when you started the business, you know, it's often a common trend when people have a good number of years in an industry and they see ways that they could improve a service. Was that did you have was that the service that you entered the offering with? So you were very much similar to another company, just with a fresh perspective on it. Yeah. So. Yeah, traditionally, uh, this marketplace was sort of was full of sort of old style products and accounts that were, were typically sort of, you know, high charge commission bearing um, products. So for the first few years, our, our hands were sort of tied um, and, and what we could advise on. Um, but uh, over the next few years, because of the way we worked, uh, we were approached by different organizations that sort of wanted to get a foot in the door in this part of the world um, and liked how we did things. Um, so we've partnered up with uh, different sort of in organizations that basically allow us now to do, to do a proper job. But yeah, back in the day, um, our, our hands were tied in, in that matter. So what we did within those products, though, is what counts. So, um, it's not the product that gets the performance for the client. It's what's under the bonnet. It's what's inside. So we were, we were, because we started that because because we, you know, we we owned it. We could have control over over those investments and making sure that um, what's under the bonnet was good or is good, um, and that the, that we were, we're always putting the clients first. Um, so I say now that um, we've got we've got the relationships that enable us to. To, to do a, a to do a decent job for our clients, yeah. Uh, okay, so can you walk us through the process? So uh, there's a client, there's someone who needs help with their financial planning. 
they reach out, they're willing to work with Abacus. Uh, what are the steps involved and what's the sort of services they're offered and the output? Yeah, so I usually start by telling people that, you know, the, the, the reason we're sat here is, is for, it could be a number of three reasons, really. So if they're interested in protecting their family, if they are interested in protecting their assets or they're, they're interested in, in saving for the future. So those are the kind of pillars really of financial planning. So make sure your family and your, and your health is protected Then looking at your assets um, and yeah, lots, lots of different things you can do to protect that. And obviously we all need to be saving uh, for the future for our retirement. So we don't really do um, as a company, we, we, we're not heavy on marketing. Um, so we, we, we rely on referrals really from existing clients or, you know, I might happen to meet someone um, and then we strike a conversation up and we, we can start helping them. Um, but in terms of that process, yeah, someone's got to be, you know, they've, they've got to want to engage, they've got to be serious because um, it's, it's a two way relationship. It's, um, um, it's, a, it's a joint commitment essentially. So that person has to want to prioritize protecting their family or prioritize saving for their future. Um, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to work if they're, if they're sitting on the fence about, about those types of things and being, being responsible about those types of things. And, and the, the output, the products, uh, it obviously varies on, you know, of those three thing areas that you described, but essentially are you, you know, you mentioned earlier being, uh, be more products have been accessible to you now and having more access than in the past is that so do you uh you know put something assess people's risk and put something in in front of them based on a specific objective and then take it from there yeah so um so we're not economists we're not fund managers we're, we're financial planners so it's about making sure um things are being passed to their family, who they want things to be passed to. So making sure a will gets um, affected. Um, it might mean, um, you know, protecting, you know, the, the main income winner against premature death or, or, or critical, Ill, critical illness. So that's sort of the, the, the foundation of any, of any good financial planning um, plan is, is the, is the protection. And then, yeah, we do, we do have a, um, a risk profile questionnaire that we complete with every client who, who, who wants to move on to, to the investments. So, and then it's a case of making sure, you know, what, what uh, jurisdiction is that investment in? Are the, are the regulation, the laws in that jurisdiction, you know, of, um, uh, are they sound? Are they of the highest uh, quality? And then it's about finding, you know, good, um, tangible, real uh, investments that, uh, that are going to, um, get some growth over, over the long term. Is it, uh, you know, is it sort of consultancy on a one-off basis or are they long-term relationships with your clients? Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's very much long-term. It's, it's a joint commitment and it's, it's very much long-term. So um, if someone takes out an account with us, they, they tend to, these accounts tend to be based in places like Jersey, uh, where there are good uh, regulation over there. And then we will we will we'll be in contact with our clients at least four times a year with uh, reporting and uh, you know sort of latest valuations and that kind of stuff and also reporting on the um, the state of the markets 
um, and giving our giving our view on on how things are going. And of the breakup of your clients at the moment, uh, do you break it down, or could you be able to assess whether most of them are are people who are uh, doing uh, protecting their assets or uh, protecting their lives, or is it more about uh, investments uh, for the future? What's the breakdown? Yeah, I mean, it, look, if, if it depends. It depends on the demographic. So, if you've got a, a single thirty-year-old person, they probably don't have. They're probably just about thinking about starting a pension or something like that. So, so planning for that is relatively easy. Um, then you've got, you know, on the opposite end of the scale, you've got people sort of um, approaching retirement. So they may have a few different pension pots lying around that need tidying up. That they haven't looked at. Um, We've recently started. We've recently started looking at um, uh, cash flow forecasting. Mm. So we can we can take uh, all the clients' data. We can pop it into the um, some technology. We can show them physically on the screen. You know, if you if you retire at this age, this age, this is what your future is going to look like. Or do you want to retire two years early? This is what it looks like, and and we can we can map that out over the uh, over the over their, their life cycles. So. You know, it's, it's really it's some really good um, planning, um, financial planning that we're doing in, in that respect. So, and you've got someone who's who's maybe in retirement and they're taking an income from their from their um, pension or their investment pot, and they want to start thinking about you know um, inheritance planning. So they might be from the UK. They might have heard of inheritance tax that is uh, levied on you know one's worldwide assets, and they they might want to do some protecting against that. Or they might want to protect against, um, you know, other things that, that that look after their interests. Interesting. So yeah, you mentioned the UK. Of course, Dubai has many nationalities. Is is it difficult to stay on top of all the regulations in various countries? And uh, you know, often if you're working with uh, immigrants here, then they 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 can't really due to the regulation, they can't really invest in long, long term here. So they need to, something needs to be understood of the regulation in their yeah. home country. I mean, um, we, we, we tend to deal with, because I am British, we, we tend to, well, I tend to deal with British people just because, you know, obviously familiar with the language, familiar with the tax system, familiar with the currency and all these different things. So um, we do have a Australian advisor in the office who obviously we, We'd probably pass Australians and, and New Zealanders over to him if, if we meet clients. But yeah, as a rule of thumb, it's probably it, it, it could be very dangerous if you if you get something wrong. Um, you know, you don't have all the information about um, a certain country and the tax situations over there. So it's probably better to be safe than sorry in in, in, those, in those respects. So um, the, yeah, the British population here is quite large. So most most of our clients um, as a company do tend to be British. Okay, fair enough. And you mentioned earlier, Rupert, that you're not necessarily a fund manager economist, but there's a there's a level of uh, you know there's a level of wealth management here as well, isn't there? On on, on a certain scale, um, do you, what sort of activities do does a financial consultant need to have on a license, and uh, where does it sort of overlap with what uh, financial institutions provides versus what you would provide? Yes, yeah, so. Probably what I touched on just before about um, us as financial planners. So, um, ten years ago, we were 
we were building portfolios that were available within the, the certain products and we were um doing what's called rebalancing every every three months but after a while we just thought we you know we're still having to select those funds and we're not we're not we're not necessarily qualified to do that so as a as a as a company we were looking to de-risk that so we started working with what's called discretionary fund managers mm. so what they do is all day long is build portfolios look after those portfolios they're um increasing decreasing the asset allocation or coming in and out of different funds based on high levels of research um so we tend to outsource the actual management of, of our clients' assets to the experts, so that um, well, so that we can sleep at night, and then our, you know our clients can sleep at night because they, they tend to um, obviously we, we don't advise on future performance, but we can show clients well this is their track record, this is what they've done during this time period, um, these are the returns over a certain amount of time, and you know we tell we tell our clients that we're not going to. We're no way near going to double your money overnight, but um, you know, over a ten-year period, you know, you, you you'll be looking at um, you know modest and constant returns if if you if you invest for the long term. And and do you have relationships with uh, different insurance companies as well? Yeah, we do. We do work with um, some of the insurance companies, um, but we we've seen a we've seen a drop in. Um, insurance-based products because traditionally they were quite um they were quite highly charged they were probably missold um over the over the decades here so um essentially you know we, we broke you know when we started abacus you know what do clients what do clients really want you know we might end up becoming friends with our clients but really at the end of the day they want they sort of want performance they want modest to low charges and they, and they want good service. So in terms of the performance, that's why we outsource to, to experts and hope that, you know, based on their, their, their research and their experience, they can provide a return for our clients. Um, we use, we use platforms. So the technology, um, if you take out an account, you've got online visibility. It's it's world class um, technology that clients can drill down into their investments and see exactly what they've got. And obviously, the, the the service comes into it. So for us to retain our clients, we've got to be able to demonstrate that we're yeah you know, we're 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 on top of things and we're gonna we're gonna provide a good service. So like I said, you know whether clients like it or not, they hear from us at least four times a year. Um, mm. And what are some of the things that people can do to protect their assets? So, you know, tangible assets like property or, uh, or but other investments, or even if people own companies or if they have different types of assets, what are some of the things that they can do? Well, the, the, the easiest thing and the first thing one should do is, is take out a will. Um, so as a, as a rule of thumb, the you know you should where the asset is there should be a will in that jurisdiction to protect it so um if someone owns a property here in the uae uae then chances are the best thing for them would be to take out a difc will um so on top of having a property there there's lots of what's called move, movable items so bank accounts cars um People own boats here or motorbikes, right? All these things that, that, that can be protected in a, in a DIFC will. Obviously, if someone's got a property in the UK, you know they should, be, you know, they should have a they should have a will over there. Uh, in terms of investments, 
it's always good to, um, if you're a married couple, um, to, to to make the, the the account joint. So if anything happens to to one of the, the partners, the the account can stay open, doesn't have to necessarily be closed and go through probates or anything like that. So that's quite an easy thing to do. Um, probably in the UAE, having having um, if you're a married couple, having uh, separate bank accounts. Obviously, we all, we've, we've heard that um, if anything happens to one of the partners, the uh, that bank account gets frozen. Um, in terms of investments, so we do quite a lot of, um, like I was touching on earlier, inheritance tax planning in the UK, uh, but also trust trust planning. So, um, you know, protecting protecting your interests against certain forces, or or making sure that um, money goes to. To, legacy goes to the children that you, you know, the children you want them to go to. Um, are, are they common nowadays? Trust, family trusts, and things like that. Is that is that still common and modern? Yeah, for for, cert, for certain things it can be. Um, so again, going back to, to British clients, and, uh, there's a, there's a few there's a few tried and trust, tested trust. Um, Trusts out there that, that have been around for you know since last century um, that we can use to help clients. So it's probably not as prominent as it would be if you're an advisor working in the UK, but for, for some clients it, it works very well. Um, so there's a real sort of sweet spot for for for, for certain um, types of estates where you know you, a, a big chunk can be protected against you know that forty percent that potentially has to has to be paid for in inheritance. Hmm. Well, so how do, how do you view the, the industry here? Is it competitive? Do you have many firms offering what you do? Uh, and how has it changed since you started almost 10 years ago? Um, so yeah, there are, there are a number of companies here. Um, the, a few years ago, the sort of commission rules sort of changed, which was a good thing. Um, so back in 2015, uh, 16, Abacus sort of became a fee-based consultancy. So you know, we charge clients for the for the for the uh, the work that's involved with setup and, and ongoing costs and that kind of thing. So, um, so what can you explain that the the fees there used to be uh, commissions or there used to be incentive on on transactions or something, and then that the regulators changed that. Yeah, so so certain products um, would would typically pay a commission uh, if they were if they were introduced um, by the advisor. The the these tended to have maybe lock-in periods, so it might be five, ten, fifteen, up to twenty-five years, um, and then also penalties to to to, to access your cash. So by becoming fee-based, obviously the client knows exactly what they're paying and, and things like having lock-in periods and surrender penalties and being able to access your, your money at zero cost or, 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 you know, things that really, you know, that should have always existed. Um, but in this part of the world, you know, it's only in, in, in recent years that um, this has sort of come in over here. 10 years ago, everything really was, was commission-based. Um, yeah, so it's now more fees-based. And how else uh, have things changed? There is, has digital changed things? You mentioned that the clients have access to dashboards, but uh, are people investing in different ways and planning in different ways now with online? Yeah, most certainly. So 
that's one that's one thing that's massively changed in the 15 years I, I've been here. So, you know, originally, without the online access, clients weren't necessarily checking their investments so often. Um, so we, we would never advise people to be checking on a daily basis. You know, it's best to, to look at things quarterly and then look back over that over that time period to see what's happened. Um, so, yeah, in today's world, that's why we have to be able to offer the, the good technology for our clients because that that's just you know modern modern day culture nowadays. But mm. yeah, the um, clients are probably checking their accounts too often, and, and what, with what's going on in the world at the market in in the market at the moment, um, valuations are valuations are, are predominantly down. So um, clients clients are better advised not not to be looking too often at the moment. Especially, um, yeah, especially when from your side that you probably put something more long term in place rather than short term. And to that point, you know, when clients work with Abacus, do you find that they also have that they manage their own portfolios with online trading apps or that they have other investments like crypto and things like that? And uh, so are they doing both sides of things, planning for the future with a plan that you've advised and then doing something more short term and more risky themselves? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely something that's um, that's been coming in over the last few years. So yeah, I, look, I mean, I'd encourage any any form of saving really, as long as um, you know, as long as it's not not totally crazy and it's it's backed by uh, like tan, you know real tangible assets. But yeah, people are taking punts on things like like crypto or or shares or but. You know, you don't need you don't need Rupert Connor to advise you on 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 how to buy crypto. You can just go you can go onto Google now and get that for yourself. There's no need to pay us to help you with that, um, and it's not something that we'd ever really advise on. We've got to we've got to be able to sleep at night knowing our clients can sleep at night because their 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 assets are being held in 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 good growth. Um, tangible assets that are going to grow over time. Yeah, markets will go up, down and sideways, but over a 10, 15, 20 year period, you know, the, if you if you join join the dots, it's the line's going to be going up and um, that's what historically has always happened. Yeah, absolutely. And what about so you you, you know the UK uh, market in the, in the UAE quite well. What how have, have British people changed in their planning here in the last 10 years? Are they you know, looking more about staying here longer and almost have, have you had questions about retirement here as well? Uh, I think clients, so certainly since I've got here, I still know a lot of people that um, are still here from when I first got here. So people are definitely staying here longer. Um, I think, I think the majority of British people tend to think they will go back at some point in the UK to retire. Um, so it's about it's about building it's about building towards that that end date, I guess. And while they're here, filling up that you know making hay while the sun shines and filling up that you know retirement pots as, as quickly as possible. So I always tell clients, you know, if that's if they are sitting sitting on the fence about saving for their retirement, you know, now is the time to be doing it. Right when you've got a job, your income's Chances are you've got good disposable income um, because of the tax-free status over here. So it's when it's when you stop working or when you move. That's when you 
when you stop contributing you know the, the, the important thing is to fill you know to get to get that level up as quickly as possible so that in retirement you can enjoy um a similar type of, of, of lifestyle so it just it, it depends on on what the what the client wants and what his um or her you know what does retirement look like for them are they going to be are their children going to be living in the us and they're going to be traveling over there to visit them are they going to be living in a in a in a, in a you know, village in the countryside in the UK, or are they going to try and or stay in Dubai? I think a lot of people going forward will try and stay in Dubai, obviously with the 10 year visa um, and the rules around owning a property and, you know, all, all, all changed recently. So it's becoming a lot more open here and probably maybe 10, 15 years ago, it would have been more impossible to retire here past 65. But I think, you know, as a, as a, as a country, I think they want to welcome um this change and have people you know living here for the long term so i mean i, I you know we can all see that that's you know the rules have been changing uh, in favor of attracting investors and 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 residents over here so that so this place can continue um just got to hope that the property prices come down again yeah absolutely they're high at the moment and you know as a financial planner with sort of macro uh, tsunamis or macro headwinds that, that come about every now and again uh, economically. W how do you change how your approach? You know, we're, we're having uh, high energy prices. There's obviously inflation and talks of a, a global recession. And this might uh, remind you of when you came here first, but how as a financial planner, do you tweak what you're advising or your approach? Or is it the same? You know, the, the famous sort of um, principle, Ray Dalio has this all weathers approach where it's almost plans to sustain any potential uh, environment. Do you kind of look at it that way as well? Yeah, I, I, I guess it depends on what stage the client's at in their life, but certainly at the moment, it, it, it's it's something that the individual has to take responsibility for in terms of battening down the hatches, right? So mm. when when the cost of living goes up, what I mean, what do we what can we do on a, on a daily basis not to incur the type of expenses that we normally would so you know we live in dubai so a lot of people have a lot of luxury holidays do you need to have so many a year do you need to have that second car do you need to um i don't know be traveling back to the uk all the time so there's lots of things we can do um on a daily basis to to reduce that so yeah i think at the moment people should be um you know a little bit concerned i think you know the 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 world economy hasn't quite caught up to dubai yet um i think we're potentially you know in in a little bit of a, a property bubble at the moment so yeah i think um the important thing though in all of that is people might be saving on a monthly basis into some sort of pension is to you know maybe look at reducing that on a monthly basis, but you've got to keep on, you've got to keep on going it with it. So that expense should be like, you know, it's like having a mortgage. You should always be paying on a monthly basis into something as a, as a pension. Um, yeah. Why do we invest in the first place? Well, it's to beat inflation. Um, so mm. like you said, if you can get through this period, you know, you're well set up for the future and you, you can pretty much get through anything. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even uh, even though there might be sort of uh, an economic downturn in, in the UAE in, in the years to come, if if what's happening in other parts of the world is anything to go by, 
you know, but do, do you feel that there's uh, that the the country has bounced back from the pandemic quite well? And you know, we see s- statistics of you know the number of millionaires in the UAE is is climbing all the time. It's not quite at the Hong Kong or London or or New York levels, but it's climbing all the time. So you're having an age group of those uh, wealthy individuals is sort of not as, uh, you know, it's sort of mid, mid-range. So are, are you seeing not just prospective clients for Abacus, but a different type of a clientele in the country in general? Yeah, I, th- I think so. So obviously the, the, the country did a fantastic job during the, the pandemic and certainly has bounced back. And it's, you know, that that openness that was, um, that was allowed really has sort of shone through now. So a lot of people are, uh, I've seen what a, what, a, what a fantastic place this is to live and how open it is. And like, you know, with the laws changing, the visa, the visa laws changing, um, it's become, yeah, it's become a place that uh, is, a, is a destination for, for lifestyle um, and also, also also for work. So I think, you know, you sort of read in the press about it, it, the region wanting to get, you know, become a crypto center as well. So that's going to attract sort of young people um, um, once that sort of bounces back. But yeah, it's 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 very positive. And I know you don't necessarily do uh, equities planning and uh, you know fund management and investments for your clients. But what's your what's your view in general? Like we're seeing a lot of the state-owned or semi-state companies go on the public markets. A lot of their prospectus has fixed yields and you know guaranteed dividends year on year. So this is something that hasn't been available to anyone in the UAE, you know, when you see utilities going public and, and things like that. Um, back back in, in other countries, like in the UK, that when a utility would go public, many people would be encouraged to invest in it. And we're seeing something similar here now. Uh, do you think that that's something that, you know, creates even uh, is really more opportunity for investment in the, in the country? Yeah, I think, look, I mean, like I said earlier, I think we, we encourage any sort of form of, um, of saving or, or investment. So when you've got establishments like that, that are offering shares, I think it's a, it's a good idea. I had, I had a number of times sort of message me about it and what, what I thought about it. So I think, I think you're quite limited to how much you can actually put in into, you know, as a starting, starting block. But obviously, yeah, we'd, we'd encourage, um, we'd encourage it. But Traditionally, with our clients, we we sort of work on the asset allocation theory. So by having, a, they say that by having a diversified portfolio, ninety percent of returns come from from being diversified. So mm. traditionally, that would be sort of made up of forty percent bonds, sixty percent equities, with some you know alternatives in there and, and some cash. So that's broken down even further into maybe UK equity, US equity, Japan, Far East emerging markets um, and then that's obviously monitored on a, on a, on a, on a, on a daily basis. So by, by being a truly global diversified portfolio, you can spread that risk. Um, obviously at the moment with markets, it's, 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 we're in unprecedented times. So you, even the bond, you know, the, the bond element of other diversified portfolio was what you traditionally would hedge it and, and, and protect it against down, downturns. But for the first time in a long time, you've got both equities and bonds down at the down at the moment. So mm. valuations don't don't look too pretty. Um, but having said that, you know all the companies that were giving treble digit returns last year, 
you know, they, they're not, they don't become bad companies overnight. Um, mm. They're still in profit, they're still paying dividends. So I think most of the, most of, well, a lot of the, um, how the market reacts react nowadays is down to um, sentiment um, and what, what, what's said in the press um, tends to sort of direct a lot of it. So, you know, we're confident that at some point that dip will start, start coming back up and obviously, you know, at the moment valuations are down so much. So, so effectively there's a, there's a sale on. So all those people that are, are contributing on a monthly basis, it, it's the, it's the money going in over the next 18 months that were, that will show a good return in, in the, in the years to come. So, you know, when do we buy our clothes or when do we buy things? We, we, we get them in a sale. So you know, now, now is, now is the time to be, there's an opportunity there for, for investors, certainly. That's a positive outlook. It's a good way of looking at it. And what about uh, as well? We, you know, the the value of the British pound is, uh, you know, against the dollar is uh, has decreased a lot in the last sort of uh, six to twelve months. Uh, how has that impacted some of your clients, and how do you protect against that? Yeah, so it's it's had a it's had a really big impact um, on some on certain um, investments. So. So if you're if you've got a US dollar portfolio um, within a within that diversified portfolio, there's going to be assets in there that are euro or GBP or pound denominated. So with the pound um, increasing over the over the uh, pound, it means it has an effect on those a negative effect on those assets that are held in euro or, G, or GBP, even though your currency is US dollar. So We've seen our US dollar portfolios perform a lot, a lot worse than, than the, the sterling portfolios. So when I when I came out to Dubai, it was 7.1, to the dirham. So it's been a sort of steady, steady decline over the last 15 years um, to where we are now. So you know, it, it, you, no one's got a crystal ball, but it, it wouldn't be hard to imagine it. it you know, parity at some time some point with the with the uh with the dollar um but hopefully at some point we can get it get get it back up to um you know 1.3 1.4 i don't i don't think we'll ever see it, the pan being equal to the to the dollar ever again but certainly up to sort of 1.3 1.4 it could it could creep back up to that at some point and that's really where we want it to be but um Obviously, people sending money back to the UK—it's a great time for them at the moment. So I wouldn't um, wouldn't be advising taking loans out or anything to to to, to do that. But certainly, mm. if you've got disposable income, and if you're going to go back to the UK one day and you're going to spend in pounds, then it makes sense just sending it over there willy-nilly for no reason into a sort of taxable and potentially taxable environment um, without any sort of plan. Probably not not not, not that sensible. Yeah. Interesting, good perspective. And one of the things I wanted to ask about is legally, was there a change in the law? I know there was a lot of laws uh, introduced around National Day last year, um, around uh, different things in the country, but in terms of ownership uh, of assets and property and inheritance, was, was something changed there where um, it can be done at your home country level now and not in the UAE? Yeah, I, yes, I, I'm, I believe that um there was the law was changed to that if you have a, a will in your home country this this could be accepted by by the judge now i don't know whether in practice 
um, this would would the laws change, but in reality, whether whether that would be taken into consideration, if you want to be um, squeaky clean about it, you, you know, you 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 get a will done here in the DIFC uh, if you wanted to, to to be truly protected, because the DIFC will has been it has been tested, uh, it does work, so we, you know we know that. Um, but if you were to put uh, a UK will in front of a um, a local judge here. Um, yeah, I, in reality, I'm not sure. I don't know what the outcome would be. And, and you mentioned earlier, I forget the words that you said, but it's probably legal, but uh, what? so there was something about the delay or what would happen uh, if it went through the courts. Uh, what's that called again? Uh, so, so probate. Yeah. Can you yeah, explain? So, Sorry. Yeah, if, thing, if things aren't protected, then everything just goes into probate. So if someone's got a life insurance poly, policy, for instance, and it's not, um, if, they, if, they're, if they're British and it's not in a trust or, or, or the paperwork hasn't been done for a trust, it means that let's say there was a payout of £250,000 and there was no trust or no beneficiary nominated, wrong, it would just go into probate and then it would take six months for that to be paid out once, once probate is finished. But if someone has a trust around, well, trust becomes affected um, in, in the event of a claim. So in, in the event of death, the, the trust would come into force. And rather than having to go through probate and taking time, uh, it can just get paid directly to um, the beneficiary. So anyone with, it, with a life, life insurance policy should, should check this and make sure if they're British, they have that, they have that set up. So that's like, Financial Planning 101. Mm, interesting. And so what's next for Abacus? You, you're sort of uh, nearly 10 years in now. Is it where you expected to be at the start? Has it been a bumpy ride? Are you, are you sort of uh, you know, pleased with, with how the outlook for this year is and, and planning for the future? Yeah, we're, we're really pleased. So obviously we, we, we keep winning awards. Uh, so it's good to be recognized by, by the industry in that. Um, it's you know we're we're a, we're a debt-free company. We, we're, we're well recognised. We're I'd say that we're um, we're quite boutique. We're quite small. Um, we're not we're not incredibly well known in the um, in the marketplace. But you know our, our clients are very loyal. We, we have a sort of hundred percent retention record um, with our clients. You know we, we offer good service. Um, and yeah, we just want to. So it's, it's, it's of the utmost importance that we always give the right advice because we want to stay in the region for long term. We want our clients to recommend their friends to us and, 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 and tell their friends about us so they, so they become clients too. So it's obviously important. Everything we do, um, we're very compliance um, heavy in the company in terms of, you know, advice is always checked and nothing gets through that's... Um, that, 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 that can't get through basically. So yeah, it's of the utmost importance that we always give the right advice because we want to be in this part of the world for, for decades to come. And and this part of the world, do you mean the UAE or would you potentially expand to, you know, Saudi's opening up and other markets? Uh, would you look elsewhere as well? Um, it's not on the cards at the moment. What what further down the line, it might be nice to maybe have a, have a sort of connection back in the UK for returning clients so that so the so the uh, that 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 voyage can be seamless in terms of their financial planning um, financial planning process.
Makes sense. Sounds like a good plan, good financial plan. Well, thank you very much, Rupert. Thanks for speaking today. And so, you know, the first protocol. If people go on your website, you know, do you do you suggest a sort of a one-on-one -on -one meeting with people, or is there a way that they can find out a bit more about what you do? Yeah. So we've uh, we just revamped our website actually, uh, abacus.ae, and um, yeah, people can make contact through there. Um, we do, you know, I, I do quite a lot of um, writing on LinkedIn for, for different um, applications over here. So we are working on our knowledge um, side of the website. So if someone's got a question about inheritance tax planning or trust planning or pensions, you know, rather than um, in the first instance, they can just they can read about it. And if they're interested, they can they can get in touch and, and make an appointment. But yeah, in the first First port of call, it's always good to, to, to meet up for um, just to build some rapport and to make sure that there's that, that sort of chemistry there where, you know, that sort of joint commitment I alluded to earlier, where, where you know, that joint commitment to want to work together on this. Amazing. Well, it's good to hear. We always hear about, like hearing about successful Dubai businesses in different sectors. So congratulations on the success and the awards so far, and we'll follow your journey in the future. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us. That was interesting. It's always great to chat to people optimistic about the city business-wise, and we can definitely learn a thing or two. I found the bit about banking and uh, the area that we can catch up on in, uh, in, in development and fintech and others uh, inspiring. And uh, you know, there's always more opportunity as well uh, in the city, and I hope you did too. Thank you to our editors and producers, Shahir and Ali. Uh, uh, we are live on Smashy.tv, uh, most smart TV apps now you can find us, uh, Apple, Android, Sony, TCL, and a few more to come. If you are listening on the podcast, please do like, comment, subscribe, and share. Uh, every listener counts. And do let us know if you'd like to hear of any companies or any inspiring entrepreneurs that you hear of in the future that you'd like on Dubai Works. Uh, and we'll be back next week with another episode.